up in Virginia texted me today and there's a brother in his church that lost one of his feet and without God moving he's going to lose another one <clears throat> also brother Homer texted me a few minutes ago and there's a brother in his church uh, brother Dan there and you all know him well and the doctors are giving him about two weeks to live with cancer so if he can raise a man from the dead that's already been dead for four days then I know it can stop cancer, can't it, Brother Keith? That's our God. Amen. You have a need or request tonight, you'd like to, like to be known before the Lord. <clears throat> Just hold it there in your heart now with faith. Heavenly Father, I'm sure the people, Lord, that the families that are involved in these requests that I've mentioned, I'm sure it must be so difficult. Brother Dan, Lord, 64 years old, certainly not an old man. But Lord Jesus, we know that you didn't tell us that we would be exempt from going through things like this. But you told us you'd be with us. And we know that Satan cannot take us until our purpose is finished here in life. We pray for Brother Dan, God, that you'd be merciful. The doctors give him just a couple of weeks to live. Father, I pray. In the name of Jesus, may you move for him, Lord. Dear God, this brother, Brother Lord Walsh Church, you know the circumstances there, Father, one foot removed and possibly facing another. God, again, we ask you for your mercy. Lord, and then all over this building tonight, were hands uplifted that signified needs, requests, desires, petitions that we have need of you. Father, to us, you're not like a spare tire, that we try everything else and then we try you. Lord, we bring our very, very needs, our desires, our requests before you. And Father, we know you use surgeons, you use doctors, you use different things like that. But we come to you, Lord, because you're our Father. You care for us and you've taught us in your word that you love us. In our mind, we think, well, I hate to trouble him. I've asked him for so much. But yet, in the way you look at it, it gives you reason and purpose of being to be able to move in our lives. So we ask you tonight, Father, would you be mindful? Then, Lord, we look at your word and we're facing the 
speaking of the Word of God tonight. I pray, Lord, that you would help me. I stand here so needy, Father, that I would be able to convey your Word in a way that would be true, of course, but be moving, be instrumental in changing hearts, maybe bringing more sustaining faith. Lord, only you can take the Word and do all that with it. I can't. So I pray you'd help me. Lord Jesus, may you move among us and not only anoint me, but Father, anoint them to be able to hear. Help them to pull on the gift and help them to have an open heart to be receptive to the Word. We love you, Lord, with all of our hearts. For it's in the name of the living Word, the Lord Jesus, that we ask it. Amen. And the saints said, Amen. God bless you. Let's turn to Revelation chapter 20, verse 11. Now, I was really, 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 really hoping that I was done with the white throne last Sunday. But that's one thing I've learned about my boss. He does not ask my permission. He does not ask my thoughts, my thinking, nor my theory. He just tells me to preach it. So, and I'm telling you to amen it. Revelation chapter 20, verse 11. And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. Now remember, the person sitting on the throne is the Lord Jesus. But John called him God. That's the way I believe the God did. Stand before God. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books. Now remember, the book of life does not contain any deeds. It does not contain any sins, mistakes, errors, shortcomings. The book of life contains only one thing, names. Names. That's all. Your deeds, good or bad, are not in the book of life. The book of life consists of only names. Now, there'll be some people standing there whose names will not be written because they've already done things so severe in this life that their names will have been removed already. And there will be some whose names will be there in the book of life. It will be counterbalanced by the things that they have done in life to the bride, and they will be allowed to go in. Thank God for grace is all I can say. Now notice John moves beyond the throne setting, and he says, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged out of those things which are written in the books according to their works. 
And then he moves into the spheres or the realms of the dead. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. Death and hell. Sheol and Hades. The grave and the place where the soul is being kept. Now remember the first death is the separation of the soul from the body. So the body goes into the grave, but the soul goes into the holding place, and there it remains until the resurrection. But now we're facing to where death and hell is going to be emptied out. The sea will be emptied out. Death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. May God help us tonight. Bless his word. You may be seated. The second death. The destruction of the body and the soul. Total annihilation and eternal separation from the presence of God. I trust, I hope, I pray. There'll be no one here tonight under the sound of my voice that will ever have to walk up before the white throne. If you do have to walk up before the white throne, I hope, trust, and pray that your destiny will not be the second death. Our imaginations are so limited to be able to comprehend the punishment, the horror, the severity of what awaits for those who go this way. Now remember, God is not making people go there. There will not be one individual that will be thrown into the lake of fire that will go there because God wanted them to be there. There will not be one that will go there that actually wanted to go to heaven, but God turned them down. They are damned because they refused to be blessed. They are cursed because they refuse to be saved. Now this is why the justice of God can be able to render such punishment because they are choosing this themselves. Hell was not made for one human being. It was created for the devil and his angels. Yet humans choose over God's mercy, God's salvation,
They choose to go to such a place. Now, no doubt, humans do not look at the lake of fire and they do not see it here before them and in their mind visualize or picture what it would be like or feel the heat on their flesh and then over here see streets of gold and eternal life and heaven, all the great things that are there. But God presents it between people choosing the gospel and rejecting it. God doesn't actually put the drama of hell and the glory of heaven. But God presents truth and rejecting truth. Not one person that would spend five minutes in the lake of fire would ever choose to go there. Not one person that would ever be privileged to go into the dimension where heaven is. Never would they ever want to come back to this world and choose to go to hell. But God doesn't have to do that. No more than he had to tell Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Now let me warn you children, the devil fell before the foundation of the world. And there are millions, myriads of angels that are trying and going to try to press against you. Watch for them. He will come as an angel of light. Watch that serpent. He has a place for a soul. Watch him now because he will be the instrument. God did not have to say that. What God told Adam was, I want you to dress the garden and I want you to keep it. In other words, guard it and protect it. God was then released by his own justice whenever man fell. God did not have to go into the particulars. Watch the incarnation of Satan coming inside of the beast. Enough was said that the justice of God would be met. It's the same with a person passing by a church sign. And maybe the church sign says John 3.16. God so loved the world he gave his only begotten son. A person will drive by there. A funny feeling strikes their heart. And they say, you know what? I, I need to do better. I, I need to respond to that. I need to be a better man. God does not have to let them sit down and hear the seven seals, the seven thunders, the seven church ages, put before them the drama of hell and the drama of heaven. That one little thing right there will meet them at the day of judgment. Now, would you notice that the second death, according to what John says, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire, and this is the second death. So it consists of the body and the soul being united together again to stand before the Lord Jesus at the great white throne judgment, which, as I said last week, is going to be held right here on the earth. This is where people have sinned. This is where they will be judged. It will not be the Almighty in the sense of the invisible, immortal, only wise, eternal, which will actually judge them. It will be the eternal inside of the sonship of God. 
Now remember how just this is, that the eternal which never sinned, never done anything wrong, could not even feel that upon him. How could he justly be able to meet the judgment? But he condescended to a level of humanity. It will be that glorified humanity on the white throne that will judge these mortals. They will be punished and they will be sent into eternal separation. Now, it will come to an end. Now, notice, I, and I know this sounds maybe strange and out of order to you after the millennium, but everything must be consummated after the millennium before the eighth day can break forth. You see, it will be totally impossible for there to be a dead body come up out of the new earth of Revelation 21.1. John said, I saw a new heavens and a new earth. For the former things were passed away, and I saw a new one. There'll never be a dead body come out of the new earth, because there'll never be a dead body go in it. So it's perfectly fitting in order after the millennium that sin be dealt with once and forever. And that is that the white throne judgment must follow the millennium in the order of God. So John, after this great time of the millennium reign, he sees this. And even before, can you imagine when John breaks into the last verse of chapter 20, and he's dealing with the second, second death, and the very next verse in the very beginning of the next chapter, Revelation 21.1, And I saw a new heavens and a new earth. Can you imagine? going from the vision of seeing the second death and this lake burning with fire and brimstone or sulfur and it is these millions and millions of souls are screaming and this, this separation from God and you go from there and the very next thing you see in the order the sequence of God is a new heavens and a new earth. You go straight from the lake of fire into seeing that, but it must be done. It is the order by which God chose to be able to punish death. Now keep in mind that death itself is going to be punished. So death and hell. Now remember this death is death as we know it as mortals. We've never experienced a second death. Hopefully by the grace of God we never will. But this death that is going to be cast into the lake of fire is the first death that was issued in by Adam. But the second death is that death which God, of course, himself has allowed to be there. Now, the first death consisted of the soul being separated from the body. The second death will be both body and soul annihilated or completely destroyed in the lake of fire. May God help us all. Now, by the second death, in this, remember, it will be in the realm of the abyss. It will be in a place totally out of our mind, totally out of a place that we will ever know anything about it at all. It will never affect you by any means. You will not be thinking while we are on the new earth, what about those poor people down in the lake of fire? Oh, my mother is there, my father is there, my uncle, my daughter, my son, my son-in-law. No, you will never think such a thought.
It will be part of the severing and the breaking away of time blending into eternity. Heaven could not be heaven with us being tormented about somebody that we love or somebody that I preached to or you preached to, Brother Terry, or somebody that we knew in life, somebody you worked with, and you're living on the earth and enjoying a wonderful, blessed time, and this is in your mind. Nope, somehow God will sever it from us and it will never go across our mind or our being again. Amen. Notice this. Is this a sign to the end, sir? Prophet said, the Bible said, blessed is he that, that has not part in the second death. See, you won't be destroyed by the second death. The first is a physical the second is a spiritual death when everything is finished. The soul that sinneth, that soul shall die. You'll be punished for your sins, maybe through hundreds of years or thousands of years, but there can't be an eternal hell, and I say thank God. Because the Bible said hell was created, how can it be created and be eternal? Amen. The Bible said hell was created for the devil and his angels that if it was created, it can't be eternal because eternal anything... Now listen to this. I love this part. Anything eternal never had a beginning or an end. That's how we can never die because we always was or was always. Amen. So if those people are going to burn for eternity, they will have to have eternal life. So eternal life is not a person. Eternal life is mere, merely rendered by location. So people then in an eternal hell will have to have eternal life like people in an eternal day will have to have eternal life. But they will be annihilated eventually. Notice he said, well, the offspring of God, he's the only thing that is eternal. Amen. You can no more die than God can die because you're eternal with him. And I say along with him, amen. Notice again in Satan's Eden, no matter how big they are, all kings, monarchs, potentates, everything else has to perish. They will not rise in the first resurrection, for it's written, Blessed and holy is he that has part in the first resurrection, on which the second death has no power. Oh God, the second death, the spiritual death, has no power. He is redeemed. But now according to their sins and according to the justice judgment of God will be rendered whether they will suffer for hundreds of years, thousands of years, and apparently some for millions. Notice again the church age book. We all know that the second death is the lake of fire. Death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Of course, that means all of those who were therein were cast into the lake of fire. Now then, I want to bring out something here for you. It no doubt will cause some people to comment on my strange doctrine. But I stand here on the authority of the Word of God and deny that the unbeliever goes to an eternal hell and burns there eternally. In the first place, hell or the lake of fire, whatever you want to call it, is not eternal. And I again say, praise God. It's amazing to me that people think we are cruel because we preach predestination. And yet them same people will preach an eternal hell and say they believe in grace and mercy. 
A boy or girl is 16 years old, gets out and gets drunk tonight, do an overdose of cocaine or whatever more, and God's going to send them to an eternal hell to suffer down through the ages for 16 years of sin. Come on, get next to yourself. Our God is not such a God. Our God is a just God. How does He do it all? I don't know. I don't care. But I know Him well enough to know it will be just. I'm not going to plan on being there, any of you. I'm not worrying about it. I'm more concerned about my preparation time. I didn't come from hell. I ain't going back to hell. My soul ain't from hell. That's right. I come from God and I'm going back to God. That's right. But notice this now. He said, how can it be if it had a beginning? In Matthew 25, 41, it says, The everlasting fire was prepared for the devil and his angels. Now, if it was prepared, then it had, notice, it wasn't without a beginning. If it had a beginning, then it can't be eternal. Of course, you might stumble over the idea of the word everlasting. But that word means from ages to the ages and has different meanings attached to it. And 1 Samuel 3, 13 to 14, God told Samuel he was going to judge the house of Eli forever. And they would offer no more sacrifices forever as his priest. And in 2 Kings 2, 27, Solomon thrust out the last descendants of Eli from the priesthood. That was four generations or so later. Now watch these words. Now you can see that everlasting does not compare with what is eternal or that which had no beginning or end. Jonah said he was in the fish's belly forever. Well, I imagine if you swallowed down in a fish's belly, it'd feel like forever for you too. But it does not mean eternal. It's two separate things altogether. So forever being anion can be age to age or an increment of time plus an increment of time. But when we're looking at the word eternal, it never started and it never began, so it will never end. So hell had a day it started, and hell itself, of course, is what we know will be cast into the lake of fire. And the lake of fire also had a day it started. It will have a time when it will end. Well, praise God. I love this, the way it goes into this. Look at the word destruction over in 2 Thessalonians 1.9. Who shall be punished with everlasting destruction. In the Greek, destruction positively means annihilation. And the word destruction does not mean destroying. Now, destroying means something going on and on in decay. So what can everlasting annihilation mean? It doesn't mean to keep on annihilating, or that would make the word destroying instead of destruction. It means to destroy to the ending point to end it. So it's not everlasting destruction. It is an everlasting destroying going on. They will be totally destructed or brought to an end annihilated. Oh my. Notice in Revelation 20:15, Whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Now I know this is hard. I realize we're living in this soft, loose, Laodicean age and hellfire and brimstone preachers pretty much a thing of the past. You know, even Christians don't like to hear it. Uh, message folks don't like to hear it. I'm sorry you don't want to hear it, but it's still God's word. And I'm trying to do my best to keep all y'all out of there that I can. If y'all going to go, you're going to fight over a pastor that loves you. 
You're going to fight over singers and musicians and song leaders and people here who love you. So I want to let you know that there are still brothers who still believe that there is a place like hell. I realize in the day that we live that the majority of Christendom does not want to somehow. They've accepted this humanistic religion and they believe somehow in the end God will overcome it all and God will let everybody go to heaven. That is a lie straight from the pits of hell itself. God cannot change. But God, of course, they teach, is a God of love and mercy. Well, first of all, they don't understand what God's love really is. He is a God of love, that's right, but He's also a God of justice, and He's a God which His requirement must be met. And if the requirement is not being met, there's only one other alternative, and that is to be punished. But listen what the very heart of God said when the heart of God was made manifest in flesh. Matthew 18, 8, Wherefore is thy hand or thy foot then they cut them off. Cast them from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life, halt or main, rather than having two hands or two feet, and be cast into everlasting fire. Everlasting fire. And if thy hand defend thee, pluck it out. And cast it from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life with one eye rather than to have two eyes to be cast into hell fire. Matthew 23, 33. You serpents, you generation of vipers, how can you escape the damnation of hell? Now here's the loving, tender, gentle Lord Jesus preaching that hell is coming. And preaching that human beings will enter into the damnation of hell. Matthew 25, 41, as he is sitting there as a shepherd dividing the sheep from the goats, then shall he say unto them also on the left hand, depart from me, you curse, into everlasting fire, know the difference in the words here, into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Notice who it's for, not for human beings. But God made human souls so they would be able to go into that spot. Now I want you to think, friends, that all of those who died previous to the Andalusian destruction, the Lord Jesus went down and preached to them. Whenever he was here on the earth, remember he went down and preached to the souls that were in prison? Think about it. They had been gone for all of those years. Somehow they missed hearing the message of Noah and they had been held in prison in the regions of the dimensions of the lost. They had been there for all of those years from the time of Noah to the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus and yet they had not been annihilated nor had they perished but they were held in that prison house until his message came. Then he comes of course and preaches to them. Oh my. So is it with everyone who's died? Now saying all of those uh, since of course Cain fell and come on down through that every unrighteous wicked person that has died their soul is still alive somewhere. And God gave them a portion. Now it's not life as we know it. Because remember man in the beginning. He lived 930 years. 960 years. 925 years. But there came a change with the span of man's age. Along after the Andalusian destruction. Then it was reduced from 900 years to 100 years. And from 100 down to 3 score and 10 which is 70. 
And then with that, because man's age and longevity, it was spanned with the earth itself. So what did God do? Now that's just the body. So human beings at one time, their flesh lived to be 969 years old. Then what about a soul? How long could the soul live? The souls of those people that died in the flood are still alive in the regions of the lost. There is not one soul that has died ever since God made them in the beginning when they drew the breath of life and drew from God that soul and God give them that soul. There has not been one soul that is dead. All of those billions of people that have lived upon the earth and death struck them and took the soul from their body but their souls are still alive though their bodies have rotted away and went back to ashes and gases and so on. So where are those souls at? They're held in that prison house. And death and hell will empty them out. And then the dead, small and great, will stand before God. And God made the souls with this ability to be able to burn for thousands of years. Lord have mercy. Oh my, you imagine now, because of their own choice and their own rebellion against the word. Get this out of your mind that God is this mean, hateful, contrary God which wants to destroy people. He does not. They are cursed because they refuse to be blessed. They are damned. Because they refuse to be saved. That's not God's fault. That's not the preacher's fault. That's not the hypocrite. Oh, I go up there to the church, but there's too many hypocrites. That excuse will not relieve you at the day of judgment. That's right. They will be damned because they refuse God's provided way of salvation. That's the bottom line. Notice again in Matthew 25, 44. Then shall they answer unto him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee a hunger or a thirst, or a stranger, naked or sick, or in prison, and did not minister unto thee? Then shall he answer them, saying, Verily as I say unto you, inasmuch as you did it not to the one of the least of these, you did it not to me. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, Notice, but the righteous into life eternal. Ah, everlasting punishment, but the righteous, which will be, remember the righteous are the lot type. This is not bride. They are the ones who lived everything they knew by the word and they were kind to the brethren and God identifies them as being righteous. The wicked go into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into. Now remember, they don't have eternal life, but they're allowed to go into eternal life. It's not theirs yet. Amen. Oh my. Notice Luke chapter 12 verse 4. And I say unto you, my friends, be not afraid of them that kill the body. Oh, my. And after that, no more that they can do. Well, we can all say amen to that, can't we? Men can kill our body. They might run over you. They might take a gun and kill you. They might do whatever. But after they've done that, there's nothing else they can do. But listen what Jesus said now. But I will forewarn you whom ye shall fear. Fear him. Which after he has power, oh my, has killed, has power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. 
Now he's the one that we need to be afraid of. But yet at the same time, I'm not here tonight to try to scare anybody into loving the Lord. I'm not here tonight to try to scare anybody to the altar. It won't do you one bit of good if you come only because of fear. God's bride is not made up out of fear. It's made up out of love. That's right. I don't serve him tonight. I don't preach. I don't do right because I'm scared I'll go to hell. I love him. My love for him is greater than my fear for him. I hope you understand that. I do fear him, yes, but I'm afraid that I'll mess up some way. I'm afraid that I'll, I'll miss his will or I'll misunderstand. I do not fear him the way that most, you know, many out here do. I do not have that kind of a fear of my God because that type of a fear produces bondage and you can never be able to relate to him in the proper way and real genuine love as long as you're serving him out of human fear. There's a great difference in human fear and godly fear. Do we want to fear Him? Yes, that's the beginning of wisdom. But it is godly fear. But godly fear unloads and it magnifies itself as it ties into love. I'm like, oh God, oh God, I messed up. Oh God, don't kill me. Please God, don't kill me. No, you, you, you're, still, you're still under that bondage of fear. He's not brought us. He's not given us the spirit of fear, but of love and power and of a sound mind. That's right. Notice, so God himself is not going to be the one that is going to send these people to hell. Listen again at the very heart of God. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved, cosmos. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So those who enter into that when they walk before the judgment seat, it's already finished. They're already doomed. Notice in verse 19, and this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world. And men love darkness rather than light. Why aren't some of our families serving God? Right here's the answer. Because they love darkness rather than they love light. If so, well, I love God, I love God, and you know, I don't want to go to church, and I, and well, the so-and-so offended me up there, and this person hurt my feelings, so I, I'm just going to live out here in the world, and I'm going to do this, that, and other. Well, you're choosing, you're choosing where you're going to go, and you are choosing because you love darkness rather than light. It has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with somebody offending you. Don't think that your measly excuses is going to stand before God. They will not. There won't be one excuse that humanity produces that will ever come through this filter. The bottom line is, you have rejected God's way. Well, praise the Lord. Notice this in verse 20. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light. Neither cometh he to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. Now, I read it to you last week, but let me read it to you again. When you reject Jesus Christ, the Savior and God, you don't have to be judged. You're already judged. Your attitude toward God's, God's provided way has judged you. It's not necessary that any man would go to hell. And God don't send no one to hell. You send yourself to hell. 
God's done everything in the world He can to keep you from going to hell. And yet you determine to go to hell. You fight over every barricade God puts in your way. You go right on over it. Oh, I don't believe in this. I don't believe in that. I don't believe in that. Just headlong. There's a red light here in the city. And it turns red and green. That tells you when you can stop and go. If you run it, well, don't blame the city. They put the light up there for your protection. Yes, it's one thing that, that many people don't understand about this message. Preaching do's and don'ts and don't say this and, and don't wear that and don't go here and don't dress this way. You know, keep your heart clean. Keep your spirit. And people are like, oh, it's just a bunch of do's and don'ts. No, it's like a red light. It's for your protection. The do's and the don'ts is not why we serve God, but we need do's and don'ts. Can you imagine how many of us would be killed if it was not for a traffic light? My goodness, you can just about be killed with one being there. Because people think they're in such a hurry that they'll run through it to get where their mind they're in a big hurry. They've got to run over on the other side and get some gas. And they'll sit there 30 minutes and talk to so-and-so on the phone or text there, but they nearly got you killed and them too by running the red light. Praise the Lord. It's the same way with the do's and the don'ts of the gospel. God's not trying to be mean. Preachers aren't trying to be mean. It's your protection. It's a stop sign. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't go that way. There's evil spirits there. There's demons there. Watch out. Watch out. And what will people do? They run right through it anyway. Ain't nobody telling me what to do. Bless God. That old preacher, I'll tell you one thing. I'm going to do what I want. Go ahead. I want to be willing to listen myself. Praise God. Notice again, he says, hell was not made for people. Hell was created for the devil and his angels. Hell was created for the devil, notice, and his angels. Not for human beings. But if you go, it's because you willfully and want to go. How could anybody in their right mind want to go to hell? And you can't go easy. You have to fight your way into it. Did you know what? The oh my, you can't go to hell easy. Isn't that amazing? But you think, well, you know, hell must be the easier way. And heaven is the hard, difficult. Oh, it's just so hard every day. No, no, you fight your way to hell. You can't go to hell easy. You fight your way to it. So every sinner will stand there without an excuse. Notice again in Revelation 20, 15, And whosoever was not found written in the book of life, whosoever, all people, all ranks, kings, priests, judges, the Supreme Court justices will walk up at this white throne if they were not born again. The judicial judges, the appellate judges, People that here in America had the authority to say this and that and the other, and their word was law. But at that day, their word will mean nothing. Oh my, priests, kings, princes, potentates, beggars, liars, drug addicts, alcoholics, thieves, whoremongers, liars. Now when I contrast and I look and see what's going into that lake of fire, into what John saw entering into the paradise of God, myself, I would have never noticed how God notices things. But I want you to watch this as we read in Revelation 21.8. 
As John goes into Revelation 21 and he talks about those, the city and what's going to be there in the city and what won't be there. And then John contrasts what will be there to what will be in the lake of fire. Notice this now in verse 8. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Now in me, looking at it as a human, and maybe you as well, I would have never mentioned first what John did. Notice the category that John mentions first in this verse. The fearful. And actually this word is cowards and spineless. Now, you think, why would he mention that first? Why, isn't idolatry worse than that? Isn't sorcery and abomination and, and liars, isn't that worse than being a coward? Apparently, brother, sister, the way God looks at it, being a coward to stand for him and his word is a very great sin. Can you imagine that people going into the lake of fire and part of their identification is they were fearful. Now it's not that they were afraid of God. They were afraid of what they would go through by living for God. Well, I'm afraid that people will talk about me. I'm afraid that I'll suffer reproach or I'm afraid I can't live it. I'm afraid that I, 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 I'll start out and I'll, I'll backside. I'm so afraid. Can you imagine? There'll be people that live a pretty good life. I mean, they don't drink, they don't get out and do drugs and, and that sort of thing. And they really don't harm anybody. They're pretty good old boys, as we say. But yet they was just so afraid to ever make that commitment to God. I, I'm afraid I can't live it. I, I've backslid so many times and I've seen my parents. I've seen this one, that and the other. I'm just so afraid that I cannot do it. Can you imagine you were that close? To being able to walk into paradise. And you walk before God and God says, you are so fearful. You were so fearful to trust me. How can God do this? Because his people on earth were so courageous. The contrast between his people is what condemns the fearful. You see, if his people would have been the same way, uh, mortals that were born in sin like the other, did they have fears? They did. Did they have anxieties? They did. Did they have all kinds of shortcomings and complexes? They did. But they were empowered by the Holy Ghost and it helped them to overcome their fears and they were mighty sons and daughters of God. 
not because naturally they were, humanly they were, but they allowed the Spirit of God to come in them and become so gallant that demons out of hell could not conquer them. And that was the rule, the perimeter by which God will judge some of these that will wind up in the lake of fire. And he will say, you are cowards. I judge you by my people. You imagine the people of God that have stood for him down through the ages were so courageous in the word of God they could face a furnace of fire lion's dance having their babies ripped out of their bellies I ain't talking about just men I'm talking about women they were so courageous it was beyond human understanding and God looks at cowardliness as such a horrible sin that he listed first in the inhabitants the lake of fire well I'd like to go up there to Happy Valley but I know people talk about me I'm just afraid of what people would say I'm afraid some of my friends wouldn't want to hang around me no more and your fear will be the very thing that he'll identify you and pull you right up at the white throne judgment and say you didn't drink, you didn't carouse, you never committed adultery against your wife or your husband, but the thing that hindered you so much was your fear. You was afraid you couldn't live it. You was afraid you'd be laughed at. You was afraid you'd be ridiculed. Well, praise God. I'll tell you one thing, I found this the other day, and I just, I just had myself a spell. I, I guess I've just underplayed, Brother Philip, just thinking about the power of courage. I guess I just not really took it in to real divine consideration and see that when you come up to the very end, being courageous or being cowardly is it a deity identification or a humanity identification, and every one of us are born for afraid. Come on, children. I don't care who you are tonight. You're afraid of something. You're, you're afraid of cancer. You're afraid of this and that and the other. You're afraid of yourself you're afraid of backsliding but how come you're able to be faithful and be courageous because the spirit of God in you helps you to overcome your fears oh most of us don't want to be talked about and rejected and hated and all that by the people of the world but when it comes right down to it if that's what it takes so be it Lord make me courageous make me strong but the coward the coward inevitably chooses self self and self protection well I, 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 can't, I can't do it I can't do it that will take you to the lake of fire praise be to God well, I'm sorry friends y'all hadn't read this either huh Makes you want to read your Bible again, don't it? But the fearful, oh my, cowardly, spineless, mm, the fearful, right at the top of the list, and unbelieving. 
Now notice this word. I was quite amazed with this one as well. Unbelieving. Now it doesn't mean that they were atheists. But people who believed, but yet did not believe totally. So they accepted and they sort of, I believe this and I don't believe that. They, these were not atheists. These were not people, oh, there is no such a thing as God. No, no, no. These were people who said they believed. But God identified them as unbelieving. In contrast with who? You. Because you believed all that he had to say. Whether you understood it or not. Whether it even made any sense or not. It made no difference to you. You believed what he had to say. So they don't fully embrace his gospel. They don't understand the importance and the value of believing at all. So God identifies them. Now notice how he couples them. He couples them right up there at the very top with the fearful and the unbelieving. And then John says the abominable. Oh my goodness. Now me as a man, I would have put this first. This is homosexuality. Sodomy. Sodomites. And God places them beneath fearful? You know why? The fearful knew about God. They knew enough about God to where they to run it all through their mind. And when they all, got all done with it, and they sorted it all out, I can't do it. No, I, I can't do it. I'm just going to stay away. I'm just going to stay away from church. I'm going to stay away from God. I, I, no, I, I just can't do it. I'm afraid I'll backslide. I, I'm afraid I'll get away from God. I'm afraid you're worse than a pervert. Oh, my goodness. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody say amen or ouch or God help Brother Donnie or God help me or something. Sodomites. Then he says murderers. Now, this ain't just people going on the street, but this is murder of saints and prophets and righteous people. And God puts that beneath fearful. Lord, children, I'll tell you, when I read this, it just done something to me. I thought, God, help me. Help me to be a courageous believer. To stand for what's right, no matter what the cost. Never say, I'm afraid. No, I can't preach that. I'm afraid I'll get in trouble. I'm afraid the message protocol will throw me out. I'm afraid the message echelon will throw me out. I, I can't do it. God, give me courage. God, give me the courage to stand up and stand for what's right if I have to stand by myself. Come on, saints. And whoremongers. Oh my. Whoremongers. You mean put fearful in front of whoremongers? Unclean persons with impure lust, fornication, adultery, and all lewdness. Of course, most of this, you know, sexual sins. And sorceries. Those who use magical remedies and conjures up. And also, of course, drugs in the last day. Whether or not you understand this, drugs are associated with demons. Drugs are associated with demons. And yet God would put fearful in front of that. And idolaters, those that worship devils, idols of gold, silver and brass and tapes. And make an idol out of their pastor. Or an idol out of their prophet. Come on now, don't get quiet on me. Anything between you and God is an idol. If it's your car, if it's your house, if it's your preacher, if it's your pastor, there's only one God, and His name is the Lord Jesus, not William Branham. 
Well, praise the Lord. I know folks don't like that and they don't understand why I keep striking that thing. That old deity spirit, my friends, is not dead. It's being promoted like never before. If you could only hear some of the stuff that I hear and what's being preached and what's been said. Oh, but I'm, I'm exempt from that, are you? What makes you exempt from it? Only the Spirit of God and the preaching of the Word. So when that evil comes around you, you know what truth is. And you say, back up, devil. I don't know what the truth of it is. We're not strong in ourselves. We're not great in ourselves. We cannot combat it in ourselves. We must have the Spirit of God to help us against the idolatry that is going around this message. Whew. And all liars. The fearful, unbelieving, the abominable, murderers, whoremongers, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars. All liars. Now, apparently John didn't believe between white ones and black ones. Or little ones and big ones. He just called them liars. Now this is what's going to happen to all this group. They shall have their part. This is why I don't fear this, Brother Terry. I have no part there. And many can say it with me. I have no inheritance in the lake of fire. I have no part. These people have a part. Why? They are acting out hell in this life. They're under demonic influence. They're living under fear. They're living under hormonging spirits. They're living under idolatry. They're doing all of these things. Oh, listen to that, friends. Think about what they are doing. And they're acting out their part right now. And they're going to go to their part after a while. Oh, Brother Darling, I'm so scared to death. Well, you don't have to be. If you're living like heaven, talking like heaven, obeying the word like heaven, heaven is your part. But if you're living like the devil, acting like the devil, you better get quick straight, straightened out real quick, or you're going to have your part in this. Oh, my. My goodness, friends. A minister posted a clip this week on a minister's chat of a church in Africa. And someone got up to sing a special song, and they said, There is power in the name of Edgar Roscoe. There is power, a preacher in South Africa. You say you shouldn't say that publicly. I reckon I should. They said it publicly and sent it around the world. That's lies. False doctrine. There's power in no other name but the name of Jesus Christ. There's no power in the name of William Branham. There's no power in the name of Donnie Reagan, Edgar Roscoe, Terry Horn, Paul Peter, James John. There's only power in one name. I saw hundreds of people screaming, shouting, hollering. Yes, it is very sad. I stood there several years ago in that pulpit and preached. You say around our message, around our message, because they think he's Elohim. And the sad part about it is, you'll fall in sin, wind up dying like any other mortal. Something will come out, and you know what will happen? A lot of them poor, ignorant people will turn away from God. They'll turn away from the message. 
It ain't the message fault. It ain't the prophet's fault because you get caught up in a bunch of nonsense. Well, come on, church. You say stuff like that is around our message. Yes, it's around our message. Keep us, Lord Jesus. Hide us, Lord Jesus, behind your word. What is it? Unbelievers, liars, fearful. Oh, my. But where is our protection in the baptism of the Holy Ghost? You can't hide behind the tape. You can't hide behind the quote. You can't hide behind the tape player. The tape player is not your token. And the tape is not your token. Your token is the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Can you imagine meeting devils? Can you imagine meeting them devils down there at the youth camp trying to cast out devils in the name of Edgar Roscoe? Or in the name of Donnie Reagan, in the name of William Branham? You'd probably run out there half naked. Because them devils would probably come out of there and tear you to shreds. They know there's only one name that's got any power in it. Well, praise the Lord. What is it, friends? Whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. That is not a misunderstanding. It is lies. Well, well. They shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone. Brimstone. Now called sulfur. A lemon yellow colored stone. The word brimstone means a burning stone or a stone that burns. When brimstone is exposed to the air, nothing happens. But if a match is put to it, it will burn in a peculiar way, like a liquid fire. It emits noxious fumes. The stone melts like wax. But the dripping is a peculiar thick fire like a piece of wax on fire. As it burns, it has a rich, fluorescent type, deep, cobalt, bluish color. A sticky, acidy type burning fire. Little drops that drop and burn and burn and burn. Just to be out of the presence of God to me would be hell enough. But can you imagine this? And David said it this way, Psalms eleven six: Upon the wicked he shall rain snares, fire, and brimstone, and horrible tempest. This shall be the portion of their cup. Isaiah thirty thirty three: For prophet is ordained of old. Yea, and the king it is prepared. He hath made it deep and large. The pile thereof is fire and much wood. And the breath of the Lord like a stream of brimstone doth kindle it. 34.9 And the streams thereof shall be turned into pitch and the dust thereof into burn, brimstone and the land thereof shall become burning pitch. Ezekiel 38.22 And I will plead against him with pestilence and with blood. I will rain upon him and upon his bands and upon the many people that are with him an overflowing rain. This is Gog and Magog. And great hailstones, fire and brimstone. This is at the end of the tribulation period. Luke 17.29 the Lord Jesus speaking. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. 
Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. And remember, Jesus went on to say, remember Lot's wife. Isn't it amazing? He never did say, remember Sarah. He never did say, remember Ruth. Remember Rebecca. Remember Naomi. But he points us toward one woman. And when was, when was that, Lord? We're supposed to remember that? After the sign of the Son of Man. After the Son of Man comes, then remember Lot's wife. Why? Her and her husband followed the prophet of God and then turned and left. And they were later destroyed. She to a pillar of salt and the Sodomites by brimstone. Now remember... Sodom and Gomorrah and the five cities outlaying it. They were made rich and famous by salt and bitumen, which is asphalt or pitch, tar, T-A-R. They had these slime pits, which was asphalt pits. And they would dig out of there and they'd use it for mortar. They'd sell it and had salt everywhere near the Dead Sea. Can you imagine when fire and brimstone begin to fall out of heaven? And land in those tar pits, those bitumen pits, land in the sodium chloride and the phosphorus and all the chemicals that's in the Dead Sea. You talking about explosions and fire and the horrendous smell and the noise. No wonder Peter said the heavens will pass away in the last day with a great noise. Think of it. Jesus says, remember Lot's wife. This was a merciful, loving God, was it not? What caused him to do this? Their sins. Let me find a place to close. I know y'all can't take more of this. (laughs) Revelation 19, 7. Thus I saw the horses in the vision, them that sat on them having breastplates of fire and of Jason's and were heads of lions and out of their mouths issued fire and smoke and brimstone. By these three was a third part of men killed. Now this is what's going to be released in the tribulation period. By the fire, by the smoke, and by the brimstone which issued out of their mouths. Revelation 14.10 The same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. Revelation 19.20, the beast was taken with him, the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, which he hath deceived them that received the mark of the beast and them that worshiped his image. These both were cast alive into a lake of fire burning with brimstone. This is the beginning of the tribulation. One thousand years later, Revelation 20 and 10, And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are. They've been there for a thousand years and they are still burning. Oh, Jesus. But, John says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. We'll resume there.
in the morning, Lord willing. Praise God. It is now at this stage that sin will be dealt with. The final blow. Into the lake of fire. Then the earth receives its fiery baptism. And this is where Paul in Corinthians says, The Lord Jesus will submit this perfect kingdom unto God. Not that there's two gods, but it's the mediatorial aspect of the kingdom which will be turned over to the eternal. Amen. Well, some of you are looking at me funny. It will be that great light that will shine over the throne. The Lord Jesus, the incarnate Word, sitting on that throne for eternity Amen. and that light hanging over the throne. Praise God that God may be all in all. The mediatorial work will be finished. Then the eighth day will roll around. The seventh will be finished. All time will be taken care of. Praise God. Oh, I long for that day, don't you? Let's bow our heads if you would. Now remember, if there's any person here tonight or under the sound of my voice or that'll hear this, if you wind up being lost, you have no one to blame but yourself. We say, I want to go to heaven and God won't let me. That is a lie. You are believing a lie. The scripture tells us it is not his will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the truth of it is this, friends. Men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. Why would they not come to the light? Because the light will make manifest their evil deeds. Why don't they enjoy being around you, Holy Ghost-filled Christians? Because the light in your soul shines on their wickedness. This is why some of your children, some of your family members don't enjoy being around you. You make them feel uncomfortable. Your light shows up the cockroaches in their lives. Your light shows up the darkness that's in them. And this is why, oh, they may come and borrow $10 and $20 and $15 and, and use you to get this and that and the other. But really, they'd rather hang around their friends of darkness. Because their friends of darkness do not make them feel bad. How can one cockroach house expose another cockroach house? It can't. So they have fellowship together. Praise God. Aren't you glad tonight you've got something in you that the world don't like? Oh, I know it may make you feel bad that your family members and friends don't want to be around you. I, 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 I wish I could do something. Well, you don't want to compromise what you are to get them to hang around you. 
That's right. Keep what you've got. Keep your light. Keep your stand. So the Lord Jesus can say to you, you had great courage. You were not fearful. You knew. You knew it would cost you everything. And you were willing to do it. Praise God. Heavenly Father, I must say I'm glad tonight to be done with this white throne. It's, it's sad. It's depressing like, Lord. I know it's true. I know it has to happen. I know that. But, Lord, as a minister studying, it's just repressive on my spirit. And preaching it, Lord, I can see them and their reactions. For many of them, Lord, it's been settled. They know they're not going. But the look I see on their faces tonight is not so much for them. It's their loved ones. Probably not a person sitting here tonight. Their mind has not run across a son, a daughter, a mother, a father, an aunt, an uncle. Somebody that they was thinking about and whispered a prayer. Oh, God, don't let her be lost. Oh, God, don't let him be lost. But Lord Jesus, we know how, no matter how much we pray for them, their salvation is not determined by how much we want them to be saved. Neither is their salvation determined by how much you want them to be saved. If you had ordained salvation by your own will, then no one would perish, even the devil. Because it's not your will that any should perish. But when it comes to individual basis of salvation out of the Lamb's book of life, you put their will on a different plane than yours. But I'm so glad when you went to dealing with the Lamb's book and predestination, you put your will and our will on the same page. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, if there's one here tonight that's fearful, unbelieving, abominable, whatever more, Lord, help them, Lord Jesus. Help them to run to the cross while there's mercy. Oh, Lamb of God. Satan fights us, we know, unlike the denominational people. Most of them don't know the difference between bride and church. They've never heard it preached. They don't hear election, predestination. So they, Satan don't fight them like he does us with that great truth. To say, well, you're not bride. You're not even going. You're not even elect. You'll not go anyway. But they're taught it over and over and over again. If they believe, they can be saved. Lord, help us, I pray, not to let the great truth of election and predestination and think, well, if we're not bride, we can't even go. That is not true. I believe with all of my heart tonight I'm bride. But if I ain't bride, I'm still going. I'm still going to be saved because I don't want to go to hell and I ain't going. You won't make me because you don't want me to go. Thank you, Lord, for making a way for us. Whether we're in the book of life or the Lamb's book of life, we can be saved if we want to make it. Praise be to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, Father, we love you so much tonight. Thank you for making a way, Lord. 
were that we will not have to stand before that white throne. I'm going to go ahead and say it, Lord. I believe there's many people standing right here in this building tonight and many that's living on the face of the earth that will never walk up before that white throne. But when the rapture takes place, Lord, if I understand it right, somehow after the rapture and before the millennium, it's when the saints of God will walk before what Paul called the judgment seat of Christ, and there we will get our reward. Because the millennium will be acting out our service and our reward for what we've already got. So somewhere during the marriage supper, after the rapture, the momentary, after the rapture, somehow, we will get our reward and we will be placed positionally. And then when we come back upon the earth, we'll be acting out our reward in the millennium. I'll never have to walk before that white throne judgment and look into those fiery eyes with no mercy. Lord Jesus, when I walk up before you at that throne, I want to feel my darling wife's arm slip in my arm and us walk up together. I'll take her by the arm and she take me by the arm as we walk up there as young people. Maybe looking about like we did when we got married. Getting married when we were 16 and turned 17 the next day. Praise God. We walk up before the throne of God and you call our names. And then, Lord, you render to us whatever it is that you deem fair and right and honest. You'll say, Donnie, whatever my name is, you and Carol enter in. You was faithful over a few things. I called you. You bore my name. You bore reproach for me. You displayed courage. The time of great weakness in your flesh. But you overcome your fear. Carol stood right there beside you. Come, my son and my daughter. Enter into this kingdom. I prepared it for you before the foundation of the world. I chose you before you ever even chose me. Praise be to God. I want to take her by the arm, Lord, and look back behind us and see my daughters and Lord Jesus, my grandchildren, my sheep, praise God. As we all go marching into that blessed place, oh Lord God. Hallelujah. We'll not say, well, glory to God, I've done this, and hallelujah, I've done that. Well, oh, I'll tell you one thing, I've done something else. No, Lord. It'll be by your grace and by your mercy. Our sing song will not be how great I am, but it'll be how great you are. It'll not be how wonderful we are and what a great job we've done. It'll be amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I want to go ahead and thank you tonight, Father, because I believe that's the way it's going to happen at that day. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We worship you, Lord. Thank you, Lord God. Oh, don't you love him, children? How many believe it's going to happen to you like that? You and your wife, you and your husband, or whatever more, you're going to walk in there by the grace of God, and you're going to be there. Brother Donnie, what if I got the wrong one in this life? Oh, by that time, everything will be fixed up. You'll have the right one. Don't worry about it. God will take care of every bit of the things in, the, in this life that's messed up. He'll take care of every one of them. And when you walk in there, it'll be just exactly right. Oh, friends, I want to look behind me and see y'all coming up. Every one of a new bodies, praise God. Amen. As we go to walk in there, I believe we'll be together forever. Don't you? I believe we'll be together forever. As God puts us together here in this life, we'll be together forever over there. There'll never be nothing that'll ever separate us from the love of God. Praise God. 
Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, let's worship him a little bit, can we, before we go. Sing something for us, Harry. I'll stand Thank you, for Lord Jesus. Jesus. Amen. Let the world go by. Yes, Don't never call I'll me scared, God. His promise. Don't call me fearful, Lord Jesus. He will supply.
Thank you, Lord Jesus. Somebody's going to stand for him with all your heart. Turn around and tell somebody, by God's grace, I'm going to stand with him. He ain't going to call me fearful. No, sir. He ain't going to call me no coward. Not by his grace and mercy. He ain't going to call me fearless. Fearful. Tore all to pieces. Oh, you big coward. Afraid to preach the truth. Nope. Nope. If I have to be reminded like Joshua was over and over and over again. Be not afraid. Be of good courage. Be not afraid. Be of good courage. Be not afraid. Be of good courage. Praise God. I'll do it. God told him that over and over and over again. Finally, he got it. Then he started telling the people the same thing. God told Brother Brandon the same thing. Why? He needed it. God tells you and I the same thing. Why? We need it. Why? It's our part. Courage is our part. Hell is not our part. So being fearful is nothing about us. Our human part, that's what makes it a, a paradox. We're born that way. We're born afraid of dark. We're born afraid of all these diseases. We're born. It's amazing when you look at it, how that we're so instilled from the natural birth. Little bitty things with all of these fears. And yet God, by His grace, helps us to overcome them every day we live on this earth. Say the word cancer. People go all to pieces. Say the word this, that, and you know, all, all my people just go all to pieces. And you know what the prophet said? If a doctor diagnosed you with cancer, if you didn't fear it, it couldn't hurt you. Amen. Why? It proves that our faith and the word of God can overcome everything Satan does. Amen. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Oh my. And it been good to be in the house of God. Well, praise the Lord. And I hope with all of my heart I never have to preach again on the great white throne judgment. I hope it's the last time we ever hear it preached. I'd rather preach on the rapture. I'd rather preach on the future home. Wouldn't you rather hear it? God's grace is what's going to get us there. Sing something for us here. When it's time to depart From this old body of mine I don't want to own one thing I can't leave behind I want to be free To sail through the sky That's why I'm standing for Jesus And letting this world go by stand for Jesus let the world go by I'll claim his promise he will supply we'll walk together oh my Lord and
Let the world 